Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plushcare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, Alarmy, before we dive into this episode, we want to make sure that you've heard the big news. The Alarmist has joined Patreon. We'll still be putting out two episodes a week wherever you get your podcasts, so don't panic. Patreon subscribers will get access to our content ad-free, as well as be able to listen to our discussion and final verdict in our aftermath episodes. We'll also be putting out additional bonus content and other fun stuff. So come join us at patreon.com slash the alarmist. We'll also include a link to the Patreon in our show description. So join us on Patreon. We're excited to have you come on board. And now on to our episode. I was born with a special gift, the ability to mentally transform any situation into the worst case scenario in my own brain. My therapist calls my gift catastrophizing, and that's why I'm uniquely qualified to scrutinize and analyze history's greatest disasters and find out who's to blame. They say history repeats itself. Not on my watch. My name is Rebecca Delgado-Smith. And I am The Alarmist. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to The Alarmist, a comedy podcast where we talk about history's greatest tragedies and figure out who's to blame. Today we're discussing the murder of Scott Amador. Here's what you need to know. On the morning of March 9, 1995, 32-year-old Scott Amador was at home with his roommate in Lake Orion, Michigan, when the doorbell rang. Scott's neighbor and friend, 24-year-old Jonathan Schmitz, was at the door. Jonathan calmly asked Scott if he had left a note for him at his apartment, 
and Scott replied, yes. Jonathan then told him he'd be right back, that he had to turn off his running car. Scott waited as Jonathan went to his vehicle and retrieved a brand new 12-gauge shotgun. Jonathan aimed the gun and shot Scott in the chest twice at close range. The fatal blows instantly killed Scott Amador, who was only holding a wicker armchair to shield himself. Three days before, on March 6, 1995, Scott had revealed he had a crush on Jonathan on a taping of The Jenny Jones Show. The program, a daytime talk show that had been running for four years at this point, was featuring a secret crush episode. Watch it now to meet Donna and Scott. Now, Donna has been helping Scott pursue his secret crush on John. Low ratings in the show's early seasons led to a call for more voyeuristic and exploitative content, similar to the successes of the talk shows at the time, such as Jerry Springer. A week prior to the taping, Jonathan had received a call from the show's producers stating that he had a secret admirer that would reveal themselves on national television. Interested, Jonathan agreed to be on the show. The segment on the show began with Jenny Jones asking Scott to tell the audience about his sexual fantasies regarding Jonathan, who backstage was totally unaware and unable to hear what his friend was saying. Jonathan would later report that producers had told him that his, quote, dream girl was announcing her crush on him on live television, a claim that show producers would later reject. Jenny Jones asked Scott and their mutual friend, Donna Riley, about the nature of Scott's feelings for Jonathan. Scott detailed a fantasy he had about Jonathan involving a hammock, whipped cream, and strawberries. Just then, Jonathan was introduced and entered the stage, clearly stunned to see Scott. Scott, with the prodding of the audience and Jenny Jones, told Jonathan that he had been harboring a secret crush. In footage that later became public, Jonathan turns to Scott and Donna and says, quote, you lied to me while laughing awkwardly. Jenny Jones continues to drive Scott's secret crush delivery home, complete with playing back the audio of his fantasies for Jonathan to hear. Jonathan laughs and smiles awkwardly and remains polite throughout, occasionally covering his face with his hands in embarrassment. At the end of the segment, he states that while he's flattered, he's straight. Did you have any idea that he liked you this much? Um, no, 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 I did not. <laughs> Can you tell us not. what your status is? I mean, are you involved with anybody or? Um, no, but I am uh, definitely a heterosexual, I guess you could say. <laughs> Scott, Donna, and Jonathan flew home together from Chicago back to Michigan. A few days later, Scott, unaware of Jonathan's state of mind after the show, left a suggestive note on his front door. It would prove to be the last form of contact Scott would have with Jonathan before receiving the dreaded knock on his door. Immediately after Jonathan shot Scott, he drove to a payphone, called 911, and turned himself in. Ma'am, I just, uh, I think I just got a man. Okay, calm down, okay? Okay, why did you do that? And he replied, Because he played a very bad thing on me. He took me on Jenny Jones. Fun Facts, a.k.a. Death Stats. The Jenny Jones Show ran from 1991 to 2003. It ran for eight years after the murder and controversy. The episode never aired as part of the show's broadcast. 
Jonathan Schmitz withdrew $300 in cash and bought the shotgun and bullets to kill Scott the morning of the murder. Jonathan suspected his secret admirer may have been Donna Riley, who was also Scott's friend and neighbor. Jonathan was originally found guilty of second-degree murder in 1996. However, the conviction was overturned on appeal to jury selection errors. He received the same sentence in his 1999 hearing. With us today, we have producer Clayton Early. Hello. Fact-checking for us is associate producer Crystal Dinsberg. Hello. And our returning guest today is actor friend Tony Rodriguez. Hi, Tony. Hello. Thanks for having me back. <laughs> We're happy to have you on the show. And I just want to tell your li- our listeners that Tony has a movie coming out in the fall. It's called Maximum Truth. And you can also catch Tony the third Friday of every month performing improv with Spanish Aki at the UCB in L.A. Did I get it all yeah. right? Yes. Nailed Thank it. you so much. <laughs> we got a movie star in our midst. Mm-hmm. You know, television, movies. Stage, comedy. Improv, even. <laughs> what can't tour. you do? What can't you do, Tony? Uh, I'm not great with choreography. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> but I, other than that. <laughs> other than that, you're perfect. <laughs> and to weigh in on complicated historical uh, yes. episodes. Yes. And that's why we have you here today. I mean, mm-hmm. complicated and sad. But even before we dive in, I want to ask you what we always like to ask our guests. What is something that's recently alarming you? What's something that's keeping you up at night? I mean, as we're recording this Literally, this kept me up last night, as you know. I don't know when this is coming out. That uh, SAG <laughs> yes, uh, board officially asked its members to vote for strike authorization. And I wish I've gotten so good in my like nighttime routine. I'm like, don't read the news. Yeah. Don't do anything. But I couldn't help but like go on Twitter and it literally kept me up at night. I've been up, I was up for like two and a half hours in the middle of like, Oh my God, Tony, just go to sleep. <laughs> but you, that, that's literally that kept me up to last night. That's, that's a good practice of like shutting off the news at a certain hour. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I'm sorry about the strike authorization. And, I, I, you know, for, for the alarmy out there who um, is not in LA, I feel like the news is kind of covering all of LA, but. Uh, yeah. For those of you out there, you know, we're going the, the in entertainment industry right now. The writers were on strike. The um, directors will are potentially going to go on strike. And then after that will come come the actors. If if no deal is made by uh, I believe actors are by June 30th. Right. Yes, that's right. Yes. Mm. So it's it's. It's just like this feeling of impending doom for yeah. all of us here. Yeah. Um, but I will say, you know, we're fighting for a good cause and, you know, that's not going to help you not stay up at night. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe. <laughs> maybe. Although, like, Twitter, the, whatever algorithm was working late before this was just, like, animal videos. Like, a puppy and a raccoon are friends. I'm like, that's perfect bedtime uh, co- content. Oh, no, you screwed up your algorithm. I'm so sorry. I'm like, yeah, now it's... Now it's all doom and dread. That's all you're going to get. Exactly. 
<laughs> Welcome to our club. <laughs> oh, wow. Welcome I'm to sure. our feed. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, we have to transition into this very terrible, terrible, sad mm-hmm. tragedy. Um, I don't know about you guys, but this one really, really hit me. Hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it did back in the day when it happened too as a young gay man. So yes, yes. I can only imagine. What was your experience like reading this in the in the news back in 1995? I mean, in 95, I was 13, so it just kept me deep in the closet because oh. you know what else is there to say? It's like it's the mid 90s. It's a very specific time in the LGBTQ community. It's not a happy time. I mean, there's visibility, but there's a huge reaction. Right. Pretty violent reaction to what's happening yes. with that visibility. So yeah, scary time. Mm-hmm. Tony, yeah. I'm sure you can. Uh, yeah, 100% what Clayton just said. Uh, every, <laughs> Tony and every I were dream... both in Miami. so Th- That's right. That, that and Rebecca, mm-hmm. while we're talking about visibility of, of queers and gays, although back then it was just, it was gay, right? Yes. The, the word yeah. was, I don't know if you know who Pedro Zamora was. No. Uh, he was on the second season of The Real World. San Francisco. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. He was the HIV positive yes. person that died of AIDS. Oh. But he was the first. He went to my high school, <gasps> and he was the first Miami Palmetto. Yeah. Mm. Um, represent. Yeah. Represent. <laughs> um. Uh. But he was the first gay man that I met in person. He came oh. to. He came to my middle school class and talked about HIV AIDS, and I really remembered like, you know, that thing of like recognition. You're like, oh, I see. I see myself in this person. And also I was very, I'm still in awe of what he was doing at that time. Right. Yeah. Putting himself out there in the mid nineties and to, to tell, to try to educate people about HIV AIDS and being out. But in my mind as a gay kid in the nineties, being gay meant death. It oh, meant shame. sadness. It was just, yeah. I mean, Philadelphia, wasn't that like 94 yeah. or something? I mean, the movie? for context, it's like it, this incident happened in 95. In 96, the Defense of Marriage Act was passed, which was like defining marriage between a man and a woman. You had like Jeremy yes. or, or uh, uh, Matthew Shepard was murdered in Laramie like two Jesus years Christ. later. Like yes. the movies that were coming out about this community were all like people with AIDS, people who were being rejected by their family. Like they weren't happy, normal, just like a person in life. It was all pretty heavy. <laughs> like, yeah. That's the context that at, this show is happening in. Mm-hmm. And at that, you know, at, at that time, you know, being a 13 year old or, or just being any kind of teenager is such a, a formative time that I, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sure it's, it must have been so scarring and so like deeply frightening. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, maybe I'm in entertainment now, so that's what happened there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we all turned to comedy. <laughs> we all turned to comedy <laughs> to go <cope>. soothe our <laughs> yeah. <laughs> True. Yep. Yeah, the best comedians usually have some pretty deep trauma. So yes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but so I, I mean. What are the resources that uh, Crystal actually uh, put on the on uh, for us to to watch? I, I'm not sure if you got a chance, but this there's this court TV live stream that mm. uh, fr- from the actual court case, and they took about I think it was like an hour and a half to watch the entire episode because this episode never aired. This right. 
It was a, a secret crushes episode uh-huh. that never aired because the uh, Scott got shot literally three days later. Three days later. Right. So it, they didn't even have time to air it. And you can watch the entire episode. And it is. Yeah, the clips are awful. It's so terrible. Like, and it's not even it's not even um, by, by the time that uh, uh, Jonathan and, and Scott come on. I, I think they're like the third guests, I believe. Already what has transpired beforehand is so gross to watch now, you know, where because the entire episode was people coming out with secret crushes, but they were all surprising the other person that it was a same sex Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. crush. This the whole episode, the whole episode. And the first ones on that that come on is a, a trans woman who is you know, and Jenny Jones very like coyly says, now I'm sure you, you heard me when I said up front that this was all same sex. So if her crush is a boy, what does that mean? Oh, God. It's a, oh, yeah, no. it's so real. It's awful. It's just like, let's bring on these like freaks and make them the butt of the joke for this entire episode. Because oh, no. like how gross that someone would be attracted to someone of the same sex. Or yes. Whatever. Can you believe it? And everyone yeah, like shocking. Sh- yeah. What's shock the normal off. person going to do when oh the freak outs them? You know, like that's, that's basically, this is what the show is. So this is the setting. Um, terrible, terrible time. I, I think we got to start by putting yeah. Jonathan Schmitz up on the board. Let's do that. This is from the Associated Press. Amateur's roommate Gary T. Brady testified that Schmitz knocked on the door of the house they shared in Lake Orion on March 9th and asked to see Amateur. Brady said he directed Schmitz to the bathroom where Amateur was shaving. A short time later, Schmitz went back to his station wagon, saying he was going to turn off the engine. He again knocked on the front door and Amateur answered. Scott said, Gary, he's got a gun. He's got he's going to shoot me. Brady recalled in a halting voice. Brady said that after the first shot struck Amador in the chest, he ran down to the hall to escape, then returned. Scott was standing in the process of falling to the floor when the second blast occurred. I went to Scott to try to get a pulse or see if he was still alive. Brady testified Schmitz was perfectly well composed before the shooting. This is from Esquire. Jonathan Jonathan Schmitz got out of jail in 2017 at the age of 47 after serving 22 years. At the time, Scott Amador's older brother, Frank Amador Jr., who was featured heavily in the first episode of Trial by Media, uh, told the Detroit Free Press that he was troubled by the parole decision. Quote, I wanted assurance that the decision was not based on just good behavior in prison, he said. I like to know that he learned something, that he's a changed man. He's no longer homophobic and has gotten psychological care. That's the older brother saying that about uh, Scott? About, huh. uh, about Jonathan, Jonathan. Who was released so, from prison. I'm sorry, yeah. Yeah. Jonathan. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, this was definitely premeditated. Mm-hmm. He went, he literally took out money from an ATM that morning, went to buy the gun, went to the house, left mm-hmm. the gun in the car, you know? Right. He right. could have just left. He could have just left. 
then went back to the car to get the gun. And this was three days later. And, mm-hmm. and you know, there, there's a, there, in the trial, there was a lot of back and forth about what had happened in these three days, what had happened right after, because they did go to a bar after the recording of the show. They did, mm-hmm. you know, get back on a plane together, the f- three friends, uh, the, the, the other neighbor who was also at the show. Um, so what was happening in Jonathan's mind? We don't know, but go on, Clayton. I was just going to say what's kind of some of the grossness around this too is that like uh, Jonathan Schmidt's defense team like really yes. played up this fact how Scott was like just pursuing him and would do whatever he wanted with Jonathan and pushing Jonathan as if that's somehow like like a defense for why it was justified, you know, this, you know, and it's not just like a, a, an advance. It's an advance from, uh, let's be clear, from another man. So like yes. the taboo or like the disgust or the shame of that. And it's like, that's so ridiculous. I mean, like, listen, even if that were true, if Scott were being like shamelessly and very aggressively uh, advance, making advances towards this man, that doesn't justify. I mean, do you know how many men make unwanted, aggressive advances on women? Like they yeah. don't get to turn around and shoot that man because the guy just is being in it. It's like the whole like premise of it is so deeply homophobic. Yes. <laughs> oh, deeply. <laughs> deeply. Um, I, I know it, it, this is, is such victim blaming that is happening in this case. You know, we see it a lot with, uh, you know, in cases where a woman is raped and, you know, it's like, oh, she deserved it. She was right. wearing this, you know, it, it's right. the same tactic here. You know, it's the same like. He, he made advances toward me, so he, you know, somehow he had it coming. Right. I read America's trusted news source, Wikipedia, entry mm-hmm. on this, and it inclu- <laughs> it said something about how um, Jonathan may have had some bipolar issues or... Yes. Yes. Uh, Graves disease, I think. Yes. So I they testified, uh, some doctors testified on trial that he was bipolar, that he had Graves disease, which Graves disease is a, it's an immune system disorder that results in the overproduction of thyroid hormones. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and apparently some side effects or, or some co- something it can cause is depression. Um, mm-hmm. That should have been, if that was the case, the only defense. <laughs> if. Right. I know. If, if that. And also uh, th- not even like that's not correct. even yeah, yeah, yeah. enough. <laughs> right. That Still. to me is like, it sounds like the same argument that people make for, uh, like guns, like guns aren't the problem. It's mental health. It's like, oh my right. god, no, the homophobia here is the problem. It's not the mental health. Like, let's yes. be clear about yes. what's happening here. Like, there's a mm-hmm. lot of depressed people. They aren't just like murdering people who have crushes on them. You know, like, mm-hmm. come on. Yes. It reminded me of the Twinkie defense a little well, bit. What's, what's the, the Twinkie? Uh, when Dan White, right? Dan White, when he killed Harvey Milk, they were like, oh, he had Twinkies that day. <laughs> yes, homo- he, he too much sugar. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but yeah. like like a team of lawyers or a lawyer, like mm, yeah, that's the one. That's we're good. Go with. go with that narrative. Um, he, he made an advance on him. That's the one. That's that's the one. Good lord. Well, in this uh, trial by media show uh, oh. that that episode that I watched, you know, they interviewed the defense lawyer, and it 
it's I had a hard time watching him talk about this case because he he's so proud of how he was able to create this narrative. Oh, yeah. Really? He's got to believe it, too. Yes. They, they've got to believe it. Yes. Because that's you know, what they're representing. They present him as, oh, Jonathan was such a good guy. You know, he was... Uh, he know, had mental health uh, issues. Uh, yes. He was a victim. His father had hit him when he was young. You know, poor poor Jonathan. And then on top of this, all of a sudden, he's being a, uh, you know, a- approached by a gay man. He's put through this... Look, I'm not saying that talk shows don't have anything to blame here. Right. And they but, did push the whole Jenny Jones thing, yeah. which I do think like there's it, it's gross that this was yeah. a topic, but and also like you know like right. <laughs> um I don't think w- that's a, a reason to shoot anyone. Was this interview recent? Um the, or was this like right after the, the trial? You're talking about the interview with the defense attorney? With the defense. Yeah. yeah, it was more recent. Um Crystal's still. on it. This was, yes, this was still Crystal's on it. This came out oh. maybe a few years ago. But while Crystal's finding that uh, info out, let's put sensationalism of talk shows up on the board. This is uh, the, the dark version of Family Feud. <laughs> <laughs> My God. On the board? Is it on the board? <laughs> By the way, uh, we have the answer. <laughs> so it looks like uh, it was released, the episode was released May 11th of 2020. Okay. For trial by media. And it was just, yeah. I think I saw this during Panty Times. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Like, <laughs> Panty Times. Just a times. real feel-good watch. <laughs> yeah, <middle> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then I had to watch the Golden Girls too. Yes. I watched that, every- <laughs> <laughs> that was that was a regular every night for me. <laughs> uh, still. So, <laughs> still, yeah. This yeah. is from uh the New York Times. Mr. Schmitz's father, Alan, told a local news uh television station after the verdict that he blamed miss jones and her talk show for his son's actions i hope this changes to uh, the talk shows they're absolutely rotten mr schmidt said he he had she not done this this would never have happened <sighs> mrs miss jones testified at the trial that she did not believe that her show was ambush television Jonathan Schmitz was told before the show that he would meet a secret admirer. But Miss Jones, her producers said at the trial that Mr. Schmitz had been allowed to believe that the admirer might be a woman. At a news conference after the verdict was announced, members of the jury were asked whether they thought the murder would have taken place if the two men had not been presented to each other on television. At least two jurors replied in unison, probably not. Gordon Elliott, the host of The Gordian Elliott Show, said that the incident had promoted production company lawyers to pay more attention to talk shows that ambush guests. But Mr. Elliott added that the number of talk of such talk shows seemed to be dwindling. This kind of show is not disappearing by any kind of edict, he said, but because it's tawdry. Mm. So this. Yeah, go on. I feel like um, what I kind of come back to a lot. I think this is very interesting. This question of like whether w- w- whether it would have happened had this mm-hmm. show occurred, and mm-hmm. the fact that these jurors, two of them, are like probably not. And I tend to agree that that's highly likely because when you go back to what he said on the nine one one call, when mm-hmm. right after he's murdered Scott and he's telling nine one one, saying, "I just shot a guy. I think I killed him," and they say, "Why?" and he's like, "Because he took me on a show, and he like he took me on the Jenny Jones show, and he like fucked me over." Yeah. And 
all of that, like that to me seems like a moment in this man's life of like real clarity. Like he's just murdered a man. Like his adrenaline is probably through the roof and he's just like speaking his truth at that moment. And it all seems to be rooted in this, like his idea of like a public humiliation, a public shaming. Mm -hmm. And it, it's hard to think of another situation where this friend of his maybe comes on to him in a intimate setting and it escalates to murder. I mean, it, it's possible. It's possible. And it has happened before. But, but it wasn't he he came on to me. It's he took me on a show and he mm -hmm. fucked me over on a show. In like it's the it's the public visibility at this time to me that makes it seem like this was definitely a trigger. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What do you guys think? Uh -huh. I was thinking of the Fox News brouhaha where it took like discovered text from Tucker Carlson mm -hmm. for them to do anything. Like there was like, well, we're just putting on a show up. Like, you know, what's the big idea? I wonder if there was any kind of like paper record of them. Oh, like the producers. Yeah. Like we want them to fight. That's what we're the shows for. Like enough to say mm -hmm. the audience is reacting the way they do, but I feel like they were primed for like, right. Like if they were text, or if there were cell phones back then as prominent as they are today, I guarantee you probably could have found Absolutely. some pretty racy texts between the producers. That's a very interesting question. It's like that that would that would turn it any gray area. Like it would be black and white, literally. It would right. just be like right there. They wanted a fight. And so mm -hmm. oof, I don't know. Well they just yes, respond. Huh? They want to rile the audience up and you can hear it. Oh my God, it's so interesting in this court. Uh, TV, uh, 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 well, I don't know, link or right file. It's on YouTube. Um, content, content, <laughs> it's a file. I kept calling That's it a worst. file. <laughs> That's um, 1995, Rebecca talking. A, a floppy disk. You can hear it in the floppy disk. Um, you can hear in between. You know when when they pause for commercial breaks. You know it's mm -hmm. not live, but they still pause during the show where the commercial break would be to bring in the next audience and to reset the cameras. And you can hear Jenny Joes and the producers talking on there saying like, oh, that was good. Did you see how the react? Oh, yeah, that was really good. They were riled up. Well, oh. in her follow up questions alone, like, does that make you uncomfortable? You know, like asking him, how does it make you feel? Like, it's very obvious what yeah. the desired effect is that they're after. All the questions are very, le they, they're leading, you know, mm -hmm. like that's, Let's be clear, like, we know what this show is about. Like, how do you feel that this gay man is attracted to you? And, like, showing the clips of, like, you know, it's just so gratuitous. Like, the, oh, the whipped cream and the straw. Like, Ugh. like really, like, visual things. Like, what yeah. else are you trying to do but to, like, rile up this person and get their reaction? Like, it, it is truly, like, shock daytime mm -hmm. right. 90s Ambush, television. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Let's put the producers up on the board. Yes. This is from People Magazine. Echoing his family's former attorney, Frank Amager Jr. says, I do and some of my family members do feel that Jonathan Schmitz was only as much to blame as the Jenny Jones show. Their people are criminals for what they did. Jonathan Schmitz was sort of like a fall guy for their conspiracy. But Jones told People in 1999 that one person was ultimately to blame. It was not the Jenny Jones murder. She said it was the Jonathan Schmitz murder. 
Washington Post wrote, whatever caused the the demise of Mr. Amager is a direct result of a swell of factors triggered by the events that occurred at the Jenny Jones taping, said Gibson. Strikingly, the Oakland County Prosecutor Prosecutor and Sheriff's Department, who were charged with making the case against Schmitz, agreed that the attorney defending him uh, agreed with the attorney defending him. It's a sad situation, said Thompson, the prosecutor. Because of this show, we have one person dead and another person who thought he was going to meet the girl of his dreams is sitting in the prison cell facing a life sentence in murder. Uh, for murder. Ugh, I hate this quote for many reasons. It's like <laughs> one person's dead and the other one, oh, thought he was going to meet the, the the girl of his dreams. And instead, this happened. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. Those are not the same thing. <laughs> oh okay, God. we will continue. What makes this more than a routine murder case is this. If Amateur had not revealed a secret crush on Schmitz during the taping of the Jenny Jones show, says the lawyers and prosecutors involved in the case, he would not be dead and Schmitz would not be in jail. This, of course, has prompted a national debate over shock television, but what seems to have been lost is the story of two ordinary young Americans whose lives were brought together in the most bizarre way. I don't think and that... And then one of them killed the other one. Yeah, I don't think they were Premeditated. Brought... <laughs> I mean, that was their the lives Post? were brought together... Yes, their lives were brought together because they were neighbors. So, right. And that's right. not bizarre to me. No. <laughs> um, an event happened that you know, might be bizarre. Sure. Mm -hmm. But that's not how they were brought together. I want to put up just because we've been saying these a lot and they're not officially on the board, but I want to put up ambush television and I want to put up homophobia. Oh, yes. I feel like we've been saying these. Yes. So Jerry Springer is in this vein, right? I mean, he was like the breakout. What's it called? Like... Phil Donahue was more responsible, I feel, right? But he did these kinds of things as well, right? He was the very first one, I feel I like Phil was more like Oprah style, or a little bit more earnest, but and like uh-huh. like Sally Jesse Raphael. Like, yeah, trying, yeah, yeah. Yes. Trying to be more high highbrow, I guess. Yeah. Yes, while still having some of their cake, I think, sometimes yes. they wanted. Ricky Lake also was getting into the, like, dirty, oh. you know. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> she she told the line, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it, it was definitely part of, like, the... They were all competing for ratings, uh-huh. mm-hmm. which sounds like... I mean, maybe we put that on the board. Ooh. Right. Ooh. Money. Yeah. Capitalism. I mean, it is it is Capitalism. Put it on the board. Put it on the board. I mean, absolutely. <laughs> um, just because we're talking about shock television, I want to uh, put that... Maybe this this falls under shock Um this is again from the same Washington Post article. Schmitz was reluctant to agree to the appearance and told producer he would have to think about it. According to Schmitz's attorney, Fred Gibson, Schmitz, who has pleaded not guilty in the case, didn't know who had set it up. But in the back of his mind, he thought maybe it was Donna and Scott. Donna Riley was Schmitz's neighbor. Scott Amager was her friend trying trying to puzzle out who his secret admirer might be, Schmitz went so far as to drop in on Riley, who lived above him in a two-story garden apartment complex, to ask if either had any big plans to be in Chicago the next Monday. The two assured him they were doing other things. As far as he's concerned, those two people wouldn't be there, said Gibson. So, Schmitz spent several hundred dollars on new clothes and made the expense-paid trip to Chicago on Sunday afternoon. Uh, at hoping that his dream woman was waiting for him. 
Now, I just want to note that this article was clearly written in 1995. Yes, correct. Mm-hmm. It's I it's a very be. 1995 perspective. Yeah. I wonder mm-hmm. how this article would be written in 2023. <laughs> oh Can you imagine the tragedy of buying new clothes? <laughs> I know. For so, like, he bought new clothes. Mm. And you can't show them off to the, your hot new crush. Yeah. <sighs> and then you buy a gun after they buy those clothes. <laughs> yes. Guns culture, oh. guns, accessibility of guns in America, put it on the board. Yes. On the board. For me, yes. what really was really shocking to me was the fact that, like you mentioned, Clay, the whipped cream, the strawberries, the hammock, then playing back the personal, intimate details of Scott's fantasies to Jonathan. I really feel like the sensationalism of talk shows, right? Like just that ambush feel. It's so weird because. This person's mental state, they did not do any type of test. They didn't do anything to like make sure that this person was sane. But mm-hmm. when you think about all the things they did to set up a fight, I think Tony had mentioned that earlier. They wanted blood. Mm-hmm. They got blood. Mm-hmm. They literally did. And it's just like when I was reading this to see the amount of pushback, we didn't do it. We had nothing to do with this is bizarre because actually Jonathan knew that Scott was gay before. Right. The You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, there's something ha- that clicked in a weird, right. That made it, uh, you know, a, a point where it's now murder. So there's something that happens in his mind that a flip was switched. And I really feel like it was going on the show and him, I think Clay said it earlier, the humiliation, but also we don't know the backlash that mentally he thought he was getting because mm. he made that appearance. Mm. So there's something really strange there to me, because if you know somebody's gay and you had no problem with it before the show, what led to murder? Right. right. Weird to me. Homophobia, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Let's talk about this, uh, the gay panic defense. Uh, this is from the Washington Post. I have oh, to believe. Christ. <laughs> uh, oh, one. Jeff Bezos also went to Miami Palmetto. Oh, owner of the Washington wow. Post. <laughs> wow. <laughs> this is uh, again from the the 1995 article. Um, I have to believe that I'm doing what I'm doing is right. I can hold my head high in this community and say, Jonathan Tyler Schmitz is my client, said Fred Gibson. This is his uh, defense lawyer. He says Schmitz was thrown into a situation to which he had no ability to respond. I think when it comes to heterosexual men who believe or know that a man they know is homosexual uh, has an interest, they fear that they might be the subject of affection and certainly shy away from that, he said. Some to a greater degree than others. This case has gay activists in the area fearful and angry. They say all the finger pointing at the talk shows has disguised the real reason this crime took place. The gay community in nearby Pontiac feels that talk about humiliation and embarrassment on national television is just smoke and mirrors for a law community that seems to sympathize with the rage that caused Schmitz to murder Amador. Scott Amador is still going to be dead after all this is over, said Jeffrey Montgomery, president of the Triangle Foundation, a Detroit area gay advocacy group. The question is, will the man who did this for no other reason than that 
he was gay be exonerated. Sympathy for Schmitz outrages the local gay community. Scott Amador was murdered because he was gay, and that needs to not be lost in on all this talk about talk shows, said Jan Peterson, who works at Affirmations, a local center for, for the gay community. Uh, the Associated Press wrote about 50 people gathered outside the Oakland County Court in Pontiac on Tuesday to protest what they say has been anti-gay bias by authorities handling the case. We respond with outrage that anyone who would try to justify Scott's murder on any ground, but uh, particularly on the grounds that he somehow asked for his own murder by simply expressing an attraction for another man. I mean, yeah. Yeah. It is gay panic. I mean, I still... (laughs) I experienced this. I mean, yes. Still today. You Watching know, like little Jack Michael movies <laughs> yes. or like uh, comedies. It's still less and less so. Sorry, Clayton. <laughs> no, no. I mean, it's just, uh, in movies and television out in yeah. public, like little like tiny comments. Mm-hmm. Like it's so ingrained, you know, that it's a societal thing. It's like something we're, something mm-hmm. we're still recovering from. People don't even know at this point that they're doing it. Right. And we all, all of us, you know, this isn't just exclusive to. Yes gay you know people this is a lot of people of color women like it just happens all the time yes. <laughs> you just get so used to it yeah uh and rebecca maybe you can speak to this but i i encounter it in latino spaces a lot oh it's I mean, getting much better but by and I, large i latinos I, be machismo and homophobic big time and like, and, <laughs> like so big time mm-hmm. so like, big time yeah, and Rebecca I and I, we were in a meeting once. Uh, we were in a in, for we were meeting with some producers for a show. They were pitching. Remember Harvard Sailing Team uh-huh. and the guy that had brought us there, that some executive, made some like same sex joke, and then he said, oh, "Don't worry, I'm not gay." Oh, and it was like, and we all were in the room. I just remember being like shocked. We were think, like, okay. Wow. And I went, I in, like I think about that moment all the time because I want to like go back and be like, well, I am. Is that going to be a problem? Yeah. Wow. But yeah. I, we just like sat there and let these people pitch us on an idea oh. they had. I'm like, wow, you really just. <laughs> like, oh my God. You know, stuff like that. But seriously, I mean, so, the, okay, so there, there's le- under homophobia, uh, according to his lawyer, Schmitz knew Scott Amador was gay, like we said, the first mm-hmm. time they met uh, last month. But there's no evidence that he had any overt problems with Amador's sexuality. This we, we talked about this. Some member of the local community, some members of the local community have told news organizations that Schmitz frequented the local gay bar scene. But the Oakland County Sheriff's Office said it has no evidence of those al- that those allegations are true. Schmitz, his family and friends have all refused to speak to the media about the case. Uh, according to Gibson, however, Schmitz is not homophobic and hate was not a motivating factor in this crime. Whatever caused the demise of Amager is a direct result of a swell of factors triggered by the events that occurred at the Jenny Jones taping. So back to. May I ask, what you yeah. just read, did it say the sheriff, police department or sheriff's department didn't have a record of Schmidt being at a gay bar? <laughs> right. The, uh, it said the Oakland County Is Sheriff's Office said? said it has no evidence that those allegations are true. Mm. That he went to gay bar? Yes. <laughs> okay. That, you know, when because you, you, know, you guys sign in, right? Right, yeah, right, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Evening, officer. I'm going to party tonight. <laughs> Oh, excuse me. They're playing ABBA. <laughs> Sign this 
form, please. Yes. <laughs> Saying you've been here so we can round you up later. Yes. Um, oh. I want to well, say, based on that, like, assuming Schmitz is not homophobic, if that's okay. true, okay. then I want to just uh, maybe throw up on the board because then it comes down to me like the like public shaming. To yeah. Me. So it's like he was embarrassed because maybe he's not homophobic, but he knows that so many people are and how gross it would be to be like the butt of that kind of joke. And something you were talking about, it was the backlash that happened in the 90s too, mm-hmm. right? Because I feel like the 70s were, you know, a, a liberating time, oh, right? Yeah. For It's happening today. Yeah. The 70s it was sexual, so that there's a lot of like crackdown on that and like conservative traditional yes. families. Right now it's all trans, so there's a huge backlash in legislation across America because right. suddenly they are visible. It's like... We are so reactionary, yeah, mm-hmm. to people's just like civil rights and freedoms. And what what was uh, one of the you know most tragic parts of that you know gay liberation movement in the in the seventies was the AIDS you know AIDS epidemic, which really not only killed so many, but it also killed so many great leaders too, mm-hmm. and it it, it gave people just like a reason to justify the hate mm-hmm. and to really stall like any kind of research or, or like yes. health. Oh my God. Action. Well, yeah. Um, so what do we, so what do we call that? Like, is <laughs> it's it like uh, shame of like reactionary? Like it's, there's something about nineties like, reactionary culture, culture. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really encapsulate the queer element. Well, I think that's, yeah, it's like that, that has to do with like the, I mean, I just keep keep coming back to the word shame or like Mm -hmm. um, taboo nature Mm -hmm. of it societally, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Is there something about masculinity in there? Mm. Like, I don't think it's toxic masculinity, but like cultural... I mean, definitely the toxic masculinity has been around in culture for a while, but that's part of the shame element, right? Like, it's... Toxic mat. I mean, that is uh, a, a part of this. I would say, why react in that mm-hmm. way? If you're fine with it. If you're fine with it, yeah. This is a little sidebar, but <laughs> I don't know if I should say this publicly. Uh, <laughs> I truly appreciate the straight man who's so confident with themselves that they can say a flirty thing, very like innocent, sweet. It's not too much. It's just the right note. I appreciate mm-hmm. it. Like, yes. hey, you're looking cute today. I'm like, oh. That's a straight man saying that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if it would. I don't know if it goes well if that person says it to a, a woman. But right. But it's someone who's like so confident in themselves, or maybe maybe I'm just bad at pick, make gaydars off, oh. and I think I'm being picked <laughs> up by straight guys. <laughs> you're you're just working through it right now. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. I guess you know what you know what it is. I guess it's all very personal to everyone because I I know some people who don't like anyone saying anything about their appearance, right? Right. Male or female, man or woman. I personally love a compliment coming, and I'll take it from anyone. Right. You look (laughs) great today. But I mean, said in the right tone and the right way, you know, respect. What's sad is that it's that, you know, Tony receiving that compliment from another man becomes like a jet experience in gender where it's like, it's not about the compliment. It's like, oh, who, what, what's the like sexuality of the gender who's giving me the compliment? Like we're so conditioned, I think, as people in the queer community to like 
what's your angle? Is this right. like, am I oh, safe? Interesting. Yeah. And like, kind of like, wh- not why would you think off. twice about it? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I would imagine, you know, also not coming off as like, you're coming on to them. Right. That, I, I, that, oh. like, it's deep. Yeah. That's I mean, we're not immune to our own homophobia within the gay community. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. We are. <laughs> it can be pretty terrible to our I own just, people. I think I figured it out. Okay. I think it's an element of someone just le- putting out a compliment there and like, that's it. That's it. Mm-hmm. Just run away. The energy, Say the it energy and run. Is just have it, <laughs> take it or leave it. I'm not, I'm not, I don't want anything from you. I don't want it. I'm not, this yeah. is meant only to be positive. Here yes, it is. just being good. As yeah. you were. And I love it. I love Drive that. Drive by like, compliment. <laughs> I also love the setup. It's like such a long compliment because you have to add all this. <laughs> Just so you know, I'm Precursor. not interested in you. Yeah, I have no I don't want anything from you. <laughs> but that shirt is fire. Yeah, that's a nice shirt. <laughs> Fuck off. You guys, we are running out of time. Yes. We have a hefty board. We oh. Oh, okay. Let's let's take a quick break and start knocking things off the board. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all have stress and anxiety we carry around as we go about our everyday life. At The Alarmist, we know it's always better to say it out loud and talk it through. Whenever I stress about the sinking of the Titanic, I don't sit with those thoughts in a dark room. I turn on the lights and dive right into it. Therapy is a great place to get things off your chest and work through what's really going on. Maybe you can't stop spiraling or catastrophizing. I started therapy over 10 years ago and never looked back. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Heck, we sometimes change our minds and rethink the verdict at The Alarmist. And that's also okay when it comes to therapists. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Alarmist today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash alarmist. Okay, who is to blame for the murder of Scott Amador? Is it Jonathan Schmitz, sensationalism of talk shows, the Jenny Jones show producers, ambush television, homophobia, 
capitalism, chasing ratings, shock television, gun culture, gay panic defense, 90s reactionary culture, or toxic masculinity. Mm, good board. Good board. I think I, rem- I think I remember how this goes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're going to so. we're going to fold things into each other. I ha- mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think the first thing we can do is fold chasing ratings into shock television. I feel like great minds, great hand. minds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um gay panic. Uh homophobia, right? Yeah, and, and 90s uh, reactionary cult. Like, what, what, what do we fold it into oh. each other? Oh. It yeah. is homophobia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Both of those, gay panic and the I 90s think, reactionary culture I think and homophobia. So. I think they fold into homophobia. Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. Toxic mm-hmm. masculinity, I mean. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, it's... Well, that kind of see it stands on its own, right? It stands not on its just... own, but it, 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 there's some uh, crossover gun culture? with homophobia and, <laughs> and gun uh, culture. <laughs> right. Wow. Um, this is a heavy board. No, right? Ugh. My goodness. Yeah. Gun culture. I mean, yeah. What does that fall? I think maybe it's just not to blame. It certainly was the access that he had easy access to get the weapon, but. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's yeah. to blame for. I mean, but I appreciate you putting it on the board, Tony. I yeah. like I 100 percent agree. It's sure, a problem. Sure. It should it's not be that problem. easy. It shouldn't be that easy where you're like, oh, I feel like I want to kill someone, and then right. l- let me just go buy a gun and then do immediately. it immediately. Yeah, I can get the gun now if yes. I wanted it. I need uh, Snickers, uh, toilet paper, <laughs> um, marble lights, yeah, and a gun. Yeah. Because like maybe if if there had been a week or a month process to get. The, if there has been the mandatory waiting period. Ch- yeah. Then maybe the story would be totally different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, um, okay. So I Sensationalism feel like, of yes. talk shows folds into shock television, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's kind yep. of one and the same. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I do think the Jenny Jones show producers are, di- are separate than just general shock television. Yes. I know. Jenny Jones, I, we should say Jenny Jones and the show producers. Correct. Okay. What's, she, what's she doing these days? Good question. Crystal, what know. is she doing these days? <laughs> <laughs> okay. This is hard. This is hard. hard. Oh, ambush television. Yeah, that can fold te- into yeah, shock. Yeah, yeah. And I also feel like capitalism um, is, we can take it off the board. And, we, and it folds into shock television. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep, yep, For yep, this yep. one. Chasing dollars, ratings. Oh, okay, so we've got four things left on the board, and now it's going to be impossible. <laughs> <laughs> we have Jonathan oh, wow. Schmitz. We have Jenny Jones and the show producers. We have homophobia, and we have shock television. Ooh. Here's what I'm leaning towards. I think we, I think I'm going to have a hard time not sending Jonathan Schmitz to the alarmist jail. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Oh, yeah. Yes. Right? Yeah. I mean, like, you have, we, we have to. I, I think we have to. Yes. My yeah. question is who do we slap? Because, I know. wow. I mean, there, there's an argument. For sending homophobia to the alarmist jail. For sure. 
which was kind of like the motivating uh, theme for a lot of well here i i think shock television does not need to stay on like of the floor yeah okay because to me it comes down to like it's the type of shock television it's the the really homophobic yes like nature of what they were pushing and it's like do you want to be more like uh, down on like jenny uh, jones and her producers or like the just like homophobia Mm. broadly so what are we gonna do here i'm trending towards uh, homophobia Mm. and and a part of me doesn't want to take the blame off of Jonathan, but I do understand. I, I think the the home mm. his, his homophobia and mm-hmm. society's homophobia caused this. Yeah. Yep. So what? Ooh. Do you, yeah. What are we thinking here? And even the producers wanted to cash in on the homophobic yeah. element. So I think homophobia gets a should get a big old slap. Slap yeah. it right. Sent not send yeah. it to the jail though, because it's just I can't. He could have just not killed him. Hmm. Correct. Yeah. He had a choice. He had a choice. All right, I'm gonna call. Just it. like a gay person does to be gay. <laughs> oh, Tony! Oh, Tony! No, that's right. I'm quoting the Washington Post. <laughs> someone's gonna grab that. Yeah, someone's gonna grab no. that sign out of you now, and they're gonna be like, Tony Rodriguez thinks that gay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, please come for me. Yes, over that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, a I'm gonna sharp call it. U-turn from everything I've ever said. <laughs> True. They're like, wow, Tony's really changed <laughs> ever since going on the alarmist. Just yeah. the AI, Tony. <laughs> Blame it on the AI. Got smart. Smart. <laughs> All right, calling it homophobia. You're getting the big slap, Jonathan Schmitz. You're going to the alarmist jail. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. We, we did it, Tony. Can I say also, yes. big slap is like. Kind of dramatic and gay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Sure can be. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> and Jenny um, Jones, yes. just so you know, uh, she has her healthy recipes at JennyCanCook.com, where oh, millions man. of people from all over the world are enjoying her easy recipes and her wildly popular cooking shows on YouTube. So mm. basically, she's staying out of okay. television. Well, Tony, thank you so much for joining us and helping us... Uh, get to the bottom of who's to blame for this terrible tragedy of course thanks for having me always a pleasure in the aftermath jonathan reportedly told police that his experience at the taping ate away at him and he sat in the car thinking before he knocked on scott's door the morning of the murder both the case defense attorneys and prosecutors, as well as Scott and Jonathan's families, both believe that Jenny Jones and her staff were partly to blame in Amador's murder. The jury originally debated on a first-degree murder charge for Jonathan. However, they landed on a second-degree charge after discussing Jonathan's mental state. On September 14, 1999, Jonathan Tyler Schmitz was convicted of second-degree murder and sentenced to 25 to 50 years in prison for murdering Scott Amador. Also in 1999, the Amador family sued the Jenny Jones Show, Telepictures, and Warner Brothers, citing its ambush tactics and negligence. 
The Jenny Jones Show was found negligent by the civil court and awarded $25 million to Scott's family. However, the ruling was reversed on appeal by the Michigan Court of Appeals, who found that the murder was unpredictable. Jonathan Schmitz was 47 when he was released from prison in 2017 after serving 22 years. Today, certain talk shows now have psychological profiling in place when researching guests. The Alarmist is now on Patreon. Subscribe and get ad-free content along with bonus episodes. Go to patreon.com slash the alarmist or check out the link in our Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details show description. Visit our website and let us know who you think is to blame at www.thealarmistpodcast.com and follow us on Instagram at The Alarmist Podcast and on Twitter at Alarmist The. You can also send us your thoughts via email to thealarmistpodcast at gmail.com. Today's episode was produced and engineered by Clayton Early and editing by Molly Hockey. Thank you to our associate producer and researcher, Crystal Dinsberg. The Alarmist is executive produced by Rebecca Delgado-Smith. Tune in next week. We'll be discussing the Supreme Court case of Loving versus Virginia. Powered by ACAST.